Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly. South Africa is in a technical recession, and for once, our forever shocked President Cyril Ramaphosa is not shocked this time around. And uh, we also have the issue of the contentious independent power producers, the IPPs. Those are the topics that we're going to be delving into in today's episode. But before that... We want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast on Iona FM, Spotify, Apple, and any other platform where you get your podcasted. My name is Zingisa Mvumvu, and today in studio I'm joined by my dear colleagues, both females. Uh, at least there's no patriarch today, I'm the only male. Uh, Kwanita Hunter, and our new member of the Sunday Times Politics Desk, Stembid. This aircon is racist. I've never ever been a spy. Can the VBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. Order. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shit. Can you please come in? Ladies, ah. welcome. <laughs> Say, welcome. Thank uh, you very much. So, guys, yesterday we, we learned that the country has dipped into recession after the economy contracted uh, last year. And this is actually not the first time this has happened. This is the third time that we are in a technical recession. And uh, in all three occasions, it was in 2008 after the global financial crisis and in 2018 and this time around. So, um, both these presidencies were Jacob Zuma and Cyril Ramaphosa. There was no technical recession under the former president, Abumbek. There's a reason I'm mentioning that, because we're going to take quite an interesting route of the politics about this kind of economics. Now, let's take this into what our not-so-shocked uh, president, Cyril Ramaphosa, had to say about this. Now, the poor growth figures for the last quarter are not pleasing, but at the same time, they could not have come as a shock or a surprise to us because the signs were there. Uh, the signs were there and that drive us to this lack of growth and this uh, technical recession that we are in now has uh, been there for all of us to see. It's been the load shedding and the impact that it has had on production. So there's President Ramaphosa saying, it was expected. That's what I took away. Hence, he is not shocked this time around. But comrades, what what did the economic cluster? When the president says it was expected, for me, the question that arises: If you say it was expected, are you admitting to incapability to having done some, to have had an opportunity to do something to to stop this? And also, just to generally, what is the relationship between the economy and how it does, and the politics of the day in any particular environment? Q. I think last week when, when Treasury downgraded or, or kind of admitted that the growth was not going to be over 1%. So when they, there was some sort of realization already in terms of looking forward that we cannot have these estimates that we're going to grow at 1.5%, 1.8%, and then end up just growing by, you know, zero point. Um, you know, 0.9%, for example. So there was already this kind of um, admission uh, from the from Treasury and the economic cluster that growth doesn't look good. 
But but I mean, last year this was obviously uh, Stats SA yesterday gave the results of 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 the last quarter of 2019, and we already knew in the last quarter of 2019 that things were not looking very good. So the fact that uh, there was a decline of 0.6 percent in the third quarter of of 2019, it really can't be a, a, a shock to Ramaphosa, and I think that. Probably economists were were excited by the fact that he wasn't surprised by it. To the given the fact that you had you had load shedding last year that was was what up to stage eight load shedding, um, and then you had plus the all the other problems that the world was facing at the time, and so I think when you look at the relationship between politics and the economy, you have to understand that 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 the economy or how the economy performs is a result of politics but politics is also defined by the economy uh, and what's happening in the economy and so now when you're getting into a stage where the global world the economy globally is actually doing really badly and you know Ramaphosa said yesterday that the coronavirus is obviously not helping things you're going to see a lot more Populism as a result of a sluggish economy, because how then? So how then does 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 politicians um, make the promises or try to make the promises that they usually remain popular and in office with uh, when the economy is doing so badly? And so now you have a president who who has realized that his political capital of 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 populism has has really failed him, um, and and now he's at a he probably has the worst luck. Of all presidents in you know in the democratic dispensation, um, where where you don't have the latitude to move anymore because of all of these factors, mm. and so what you then can say is uh, your response to this you know crazy decision uh, uh, announcement by Stats SA that South Africa is in yet another technical recession. All you can say is. Well, we kind of expected it. Yeah. And and stay with, with this relationship between politics and the economics and economics to politics, the other influencing the other. Uh, some uh, with these results are blaming the former president, Jacob Zuma, and his alleged uh, poor decisions uh, in the economy. Do you agree or do you disagree? Others are saying that particular view is an excuse for the current president. Is Who, who must take the blame politically about where we are today? So I think what we're seeing for the first time is some sobriety and honesty on the part of government. Kwanisa mentions the fact that uh, there's no more room for populism. That sort of uh, patience that people have had for so long has run out. Uh, and I think what we've had as a result of the failure to acknowledge that things are not going well uh, over the past two or three years is a trust deficit between government and people. I think the same can be said for, for ESCOM and load shedding. I've been in so many conversations uh, where people have been saying, it's fine. If you need to load shed the country for the next five years, do that. But give us all of the facts that you have on hand and don't try to sort of uh, wrap it up in a pretty bow and decorate it and so on. So I think it's definitely a good start that we are now being honest about where we're at as a country. We're hearing the word crisis even being used by people from government. Um, and so I think there's a reality that's hit them as well to say that this is actually where we are. On the political side of things, I think there's some interesting developments happening. Uh, when you're looking at the role of the deputy president, uh, every now and then he's dipping in and out of this thing every few months with some interesting things that he's had to say. So, for example, uh, yesterday, even on the IPPs, he seems to have a different view uh, to what everyone else has had. And you could, uh, if you were a political enthusiast, look into what it is that he's trying to achieve. 
uh, by having all of these inputs with regards to ESCOM uh, over the past couple of months, which differ slightly and sometimes not so slightly uh, to that of the governing party or members, senior members, the finance minister and even the president. So I think uh, in the next coming months, we could see the likes of ESCOM, SOEs and the major decisions that must be made being a sort of proxy war battle uh, for, for some of the uh, factional battles within the the governing party, mm. and 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 too this 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 issue of of the economy, we we, we you did put it out nicely that uh, it's politics, uh, affect economics and business, influences politics. Uh, I mean, are we as South Africa holding business enough accountable for what the country finds itself in? I'll tell you why I'm saying this. For instance, we know the issue of reserves. In the in the JSE mm. by 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 you know local companies that are just not uh, are refusing to release uh, uh, those funds. I mean, hence there's, uh, the unemployment continues to, to 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 skyrocket, and the only people in reality who can create employment mm. is big business. We know that the likes of Johan Rupert made uh, record-setting uh, uh, profits last year. Are we holding them accountable enough for what the country finds itself in? So Ramaphosa talks about something called a social compact, yeah. where he he believes that bringing business and labor and 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 government all on board to this table and kind of doing it in a very like um, negotiated settlement of of, of getting uh, you know a solu- getting everyone to the table to find a solution. But the problem with that is that works when you have time. When you have the latitude of time, you can then entertain big business and you can every, what is it? He meets them the first Monday of every month or, or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And and the reality of it is that this thing of a social compact, it's almost like, a, you know, it's, it's an overused phrase in his administration because you want to solve the ESCOM crisis, we need a social compact. We need to solve the job crisis, we need a social compact. And the reality of it is that where we're we coming from, you don't have that that cohesion that's going to put business and labor just you know starting at that point, let alone government, all on the same page. Yeah. And and the thing is, when you talk about um, you know the big business flush with cash and not wanting to reinvest in the economy, this is something that um, former President Tabumbeki has been speaking about. And and uh, you know I sound like a name dropper now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 in the conversation that I had with him uh, some time back, he he he, he had said. He had said that that you know the, the the big problem is that we 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 located government at the center of solving South Africa's eco- economic problems and that can't really happen. But then, what he said was interesting to me was that the state capture years had vindicated business in a way that says, "See, we told you this was going to happen. That's why we're not putting our cash here." So, so, so when you talk about the economic growth in this country, you can't forget the the, the political quagmire that we came from uh, just a few years ago, and that business was then emboldened um, in their anti-transformative uh, practices, in their in their you know shedding of 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 of, of cash offshore and and whatever um, that they've been accused of you know now in terms of, of 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 the economy stalling, is that they were given a reason or they were given legitimacy in that because see we can't trust politics. Look, you had Jacob Zuma or his administration, 
And now it's at a case where there needs to be an undoing of that to say, no, we have some sort of political stability. The problem, however, is that you don't have the political stability from one Lakhotla to the next Lakhotla. Because in this Lakhotla, all you could talk about was SOEs and how we can't sell SOEs. But God knows whether in the, 20, in, in the June Lakhotla, it's still going to be the same thing. Whereas the, 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 there's going to be more proxy fighting because we know that you know, land effectively became a proxy battle at this past Lakhotla, and it may be a different issue at the next Lakhotla. So, so when, when government speaks about, no, we need to have you know, policy certainty, the macroeconomic yeah. situation needs to be certain so that investors can come in and all of these things, the reality of it is the politics of the day doesn't allow for that, that level of coherence if you just talk about what Steve was talking about, which is ESCOM and IPPs, how then do you have um, the president saying in his State of the Nation address, we're going to rely on IPPs to solve the um, independent power producers. There's going to be the opening of Window 5. Uh, uh, municipalities can can procure uh, electricity outside of, 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 of ESCOM. And then the, the deputy president comes and says, I don't care about this thing. What do they have to offer? Hey, you comrades are rushing for the IPP's topic, but we'll get there <laughs> just before we get there. Stay in closing. So with this confusion of the ANC-led government, as Kwanita uh, uh, nicely put it now, the, on the other side of uh, you know opposition, in particular EFF, I, I'll choose EFF because they are quite uh, extreme and different from the ANC and the DA. The EFF has always been speaking about um, a state-led uh, you know, economy. Uh, they like making examples about China, Japan, and how the likes of Toyota grew to become the multinational companies that they are today because of government intervention. We know China, there's communism, the Chinese way. What What are your views on state playing a central part in driving the economy? Of course, I mean, part of the uh, reason uh, SOEs exist in this country is to do exactly that, but we know the state that they are in today. What's your view? I think uh, when we make comparisons with other countries, we often forget that there are certain conditions which those countries have met, which make for certain things to become possible. So when you speak of uh, something like the Chinese government and the things that they've been able to achieve, there is extreme discipline in those governments. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying they're not without their faults. That's a conversation for another day. But there is extreme dis- uh, discipline. Uh, there's extreme competency. Uh, if you look at the level of education, for example, um, within uh, the government officials in China, when you look at the discipline within the party itself, it's a completely different scenario. Yeah. Uh, we are trying to run a country and also wage these political battles at the same time. And the two are obviously uh, not going hand in hand together. So when you say... Uh, that you want the state to have serious intervention. Is it something that should happen? Yes. Is it ideal? Yes. But are the conditions there for those things to happen uh, in the correct manner? So if we are barely able to get a handle on uh, SOEs, they are basically draining the fiscus. Uh, can then we trust the government to come in uh, and pull off much bigger projects which require uh, serious uh, discipline, uh, but also some, some backbone from leaders or some decisiveness is the word that I'm looking for. I'm not sure uh, that we have the decisiveness and political world to execute those things. Mm. Yeah, ne? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that is a South Africa metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> South Africa has reached a technical recession. Yeah, yeah ne? Ne? <laughs> 
Okay, anyway, complex. Now let's get to the IPP, uh, the energy complex, I call it. Let's hear actually what Kwaniti was talking about, about the contradictions between the president who appears to be in support and be a champion of these IPPs in, as part of the energy mix a strategy of ESCOM. Meanwhile, on the other side, we had yesterday uh, the Deputy President David Mabuza, who was answering uh, oral questions in Parliament, appearing to be in fact opposed to these uh, uh, IPPs. But let's hear what these two gentlemen had to say. We will also open bid window five of the next renewable energy IPP. We will negotiate supplementary power purchase agreements to acquire additional capacity from existing wind and solar plants. We will also put in place measures to enable municipalities in good standing to procure their own power from independent power producers. Independent power producers, these are individuals that they are supplying 5 megawatts, 2 there, 10 there, not, not significant. There's not even a single independent producer that is producing 500 megawatts. All of them are less than 100, some are less than 50. Whether they are there or not, it, they don't make any difference. Cat and mouse. I think we must call Cat president. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Given the current situation between the two, I think it's appropriate to call the president the mouse. So the cat and the mouse, because the cat seems to be always chasing uh, the mouse, who's the president. Anyway, comrades, as part of this energy complex, there's also the EFF, which we saw last week marching to ESCOM, calling for the complete scrapping of uh, the IPPs. There's uh, in terms of the language that they speak on IPPs and what we had the deputy president say this week seems to be along the same line. And then there's President Cyril Ramaphosa on the other side and ESCOM, which is actually implementing the, 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 the IPPs. So what what is there to read here stay politically among these two sides? Can I just clarify something? It's not ESCOM that's, uh, that's uh, uh, implementing the IPPs. It's the Energy Department. department yes. The IPPs is actually competition for ESCOM yes. as an energy generation. Oh, yes, because they, they buy. From yes, so people can buy from, from an independent power producer. But ESCOM itself is obviously still heavily reliant on coal. So, so I think you're I, correct. That's why we're seeing the disquiet between Minister Mandashi and Minister Praveen at times over what should be done at ESCOM. So that for me, I, I, I see kind of like a two issues when it comes to IPPs, which is the like the economic corruption type of bit of it where this is not going to be transformative international companies are going to come procure technology outside and impose it on South Africa that I see that debate then I also see the the, the other issue of of the fact that you know from those who are opposed to IPPs which is EFF and NUMSA etc who are saying that you know uh, IPPs are selling electricity at a more expensive rate um, and I think that Didi Mabuza was actually caught into a quagmire of this in Parliament not long ago, maybe a year or so ago, where he was asked about IPPs and he didn't know the answer. So that's why I laughed when he now 
almost agreed with the EFF. So it's politicizing something that, that actually you don't really have an option for because of many things. The first of which is South Africa has to go green at some point because we're going to be start getting fined by the international community and fi- and banking institutions, etc., because of our high uh, carbon emissions, right? So that's the first thing. And ESCOM is reliant on coal. Then the other issue is ESCOM is not keeping up with the demand for electricity. So you then have to rely on, on something else in the energy mix. And then nuclear is too expensive at the moment. And then the third thing is uh, is is... Is, is then the politics of it. Hmm. Stay. In, in the ANC alone, there's uh, the president, now there's the, the, there's the deputy president, David Mabuza, and then there's Gwere Mantashe, who is said to have been refusing to sign for the next phase of the uh, IPPs. What do you, what, what, what do you read um, as part of these uh, contradictions, especially among these three gentlemen who are at the center of the whole saga? <laughs> so yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, I mean, how, how do you analyze this in terms of the government of the ANC and the ANC and the balance of forces within the ANC when these three are speaking in these different, uh, you know, languages uh, in this very important issue of energy? If I really wanted to irritate comrades, I'd say the center is not holding. Yeah, <laughs> but which uh, is the truth? I think I think coming back to the issue of uh, trust deficit. Um, and some much-needed sobriety from the government, despite what the deputy president's attentions may or may not be. I think he is providing somewhat of an important balancing act. Mm-hmm. If you look back to, I think it was January 8th, and the comment that he made that got him to some hot water, where he, Juanita, you know the story very well, I believe, uh, where he mentioned... Um, the fact that uh, the government had been told or the president had been told uh, that load shedding would continue to go on, et cetera, et cetera. So what he then said, and he has said it on more than one occasion, in fact, is that there's an issue of maintenance that needs to happen at ESCOM. And again, I think that that's the much needed sobriety and also points to the fact that there is no silver bullet. Um, and I think whether or not, I don't know about his facts and figures yesterday in terms of uh, saying that uh, this is what RPPs can produce and is it feasible or not feasible, but it's surprising to say that there's so much hype and excitement now about these RPPs and municipalities want to get involved, but we're still going to have a very similar problem in the next two or three years if these people actually cannot generate enough power. Mm. So we're going to get excited about this and then when it doesn't work out and doesn't yield the results that we want them to yield or in a very short space of time, we're going to be surprised again. <laughs> see what I did there? I didn't even intend to. But yeah. we're going to be surprised again <laughs> when we see that this we're thing shocked. is actually... <laughs> we're going to be shocked because it's going to look like this thing is not working. But like Juanita says, we need to be working in the short term, the medium term, and the long term. Yeah. And I think that that's something that government really struggles to do. We're not really great at multitasking. So yes, we can introduce the RPPs. We need them to be there. Yes, we need an energy mix. Yes, we need to tend to the fact that we have this over-reliance on coal. But it all needs to happen at the same time. And in the background of all of those things is these proxy battles that are ongoing within the ANC, uh, the different um, events that are happening there. For example, the National General Council coming up, uh, these Lekhutlas, these NEC meetings, these NWCs, where all you see all the time is deadlock and much frustration and everyone trying to one-up each other. Um, and the, the, the result of that is that government kind of comes to a standstill because those deadlocks then manifest themselves in the governance space. Mm. And you can't have these dis- discussions you know, purely on ideology because you know, you'd, have, you'd have people who say, 
we need we 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 need ipps from a green perspective i'm just using that example right and 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 that's the main reason why we need ipps because the world is going green and we need to go green mm. right but then you 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 can't have these discussions in isolation stay because the reality of it is that it really isn't ideology it really is political experience that motivates some of these discussions mm. but also you can't have a discussion about south africa going green when you have like where your primary energy source is basically crumbling apart while you speak you know so for me it's that approach where ipps are going to save the day then ipp doesn't save the day then nuclear is going to save the day then nuclear doesn't save the day then then ment- maintenance is going to save the day you know that for me is the where the where the problem lies it's 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 that is that an issue of maintaining power plants has become a political football yeah. and and indeed is not excluded from that yeah but comrades these proxy battles that you are talking about of the ANC <laughs> will this country ever get forward when things like serious things like the NH we know that there's load shedding now we know that businesses are shutting down it is literally halting the creation of jobs and the ANC leaders are using it uh, for political football for their self uh, you know interest I, I always like saying the ANC and its government is too self obsessed with the interests of individuals than those of the country can we really get ahead uh, in this country with this kind of politics from the ANC especially now that these proxy battles are going to be a, you know mounting going forward to the NGC after the NGC will be looking into the 22 2022 conference and we know that from the onset president Cyril Ramaphosa in the ANC has never uh, stood on strong footing which means that anything and everything that he tries to do in government is going to be challenged otherwise in populist uh, ways by those who want to topple him in the next conference of 2022 stay So I wonder what sort of impact there would be if we had a bit more decisive leadership. Yeah. And obviously the way that uh, Cyril Ramaphosa came to be president of the ANC and ultimately of the country was somewhat of a negotiated settlement if you think of the role of uh, Didi Mabuza. Um and so he came in on the back foot as it were not 100% in charge. Um and that's definitely been a theme throughout his tenure. He struggled I think to to anchor the ANC. Obviously he's not the only leader there's a top 5 or top 6 including him there's an NEC there's an NWC and all of these bodies are supposed to ideally work together to 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 make things happen but i think the the ill discipline in the ANC and the lack of that decisive leadership is the start of many of our problems because i mean you can't have people running around speaking in two tongues about uh, matters of national importance yeah. um and so when people do do things that are identified as being ill disciplined there's numerous examples we could be until tomorrow nothing happens so i feel that if we had an organization that was run as a tight ship uh people do things that are incorrect they get hauled to a disciplinary committee and action is taken uh, the way that things are now there's a lack of consistency with regards to discipline so you can't now if someone says something that's completely out of order do anything about them because you've got a line of 50 other people that have not done it so i think just the the manner in which the dynamics of the ANC are playing themselves out and the lack of uh, someone strong enough to be like this is now enough can we be grown ups is is a problem and you the the, the this uh, discipline within the ANC ranks and free for all a uh, type of approach raises the question i mean the the problems of the country are just mounting on top of each other but people continue voting for the ANC why are they not voting for EFF and the DA i'm not getting into that <laughs> no 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 <laughs> not it's a, today it's a question. we will have that discussion when it's election time in two years time or like you know, next year but what i want to say is that 
factionalism in the ANC is often seen as like a movie there in the distance, right? We all get excited by it and we always, always um, you know, people have this, this interest in it. But when you, so when you're fighting about issues like nationalizing the Reserve Bank or whatever, it's, it's a bit distant from us, right? But now when you start fighting you, uh, or, or, or when the fight becomes about how do you, what do you prioritize in terms of solving your immediate energy problem, that has a huge consequence on my and your lives, let alone investment and energy security as a whole. And so I think that, that at some point there needs to be um, this understanding or this, this real, 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 real um, realization from the public at least that when you have this these movies playing out in Parliament where where Ramaphosa and his deputy are saying two different things, and that's what it is. They are saying the complete opposite Positive, of each yeah. other. To realize that what's really at stake is, it, is, is, is energy security. And what really is at stake is that there's not going to be a solution to the problem. So whereas we may laugh about it sometimes, or we may underplay these contradictions, as we did in January when we were in Kimberley about, about who misled the president, uh, you know, and, and the whole solving out of the, of the boardroom politics of, of ESCOM, the reality, the reality of it is that ESCOM problems still persist. An energy problem is persisting today. Next year, when Ramaphosa engages editors, he's going to talk about the same thing. Why you can't move? Why? Because you can't see eye to eye on a simple matter or some sort of negotiated settlement to say, you hate IPPs for A, B, and C reasons. I need to endorse it for A, B, and C reasons. This is the, the settlement, and the settlement is found today so that Treasury, for example, or the economy broadly can then can then feel the consequence of what Stair spoke about, this decisive action. Stair, 30 seconds. What's your closing remarks? We have an energy crisis, and as a result, we now have a technical recession. What must happen to save this country from its current economic problems and energy problems? 30 seconds. I think we need a president who is willing to disabuse himself of the ideals that he thought of the picture that he thought would happen when he came into power, let go of the sort of madibism, the idealism that he holds and get down to work and actually, uh, despite what it may mean for his position in the party, be decisive about the things that need to happen and take the tough to- tough decisions. Exactly. Actually, I agree with you. President Cyril Ramaphosa must start being decisive. I mean, really, that's going to be my song. Until we have a decisive president who is not... Uh, about pleasing the ANC factions. I mean, I think, in fact, if he continues this way, the ANC factions will continue pulling him from side to side. But if it, he, 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 he takes a stance yeah. and makes decisions that are for the benefit of the country, perhaps he may well gain some respect within the ANC, especially those of uh, ordinary structures like the branches. But hey, it is what it is. Anyway, we've come to the end of our show for today. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast free on Iona.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast at. By subscribing, you'll automatically be notified each time a new podcast is released. If you like our podcast or want to engage with us, chat with us on Twitter and Facebook using the hashtag STPoliticsWeekly and rate us on your favorite podcast app. Ladies, thank you very much. I am Sengisam Bye-bye.